very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, which I'm sure you don't want to miss, all you have to do is go to our website and click on the subscribe button. You'll receive your login immediately, and you'll have access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of truth. And by the way, this week was the season finale and series finale for Sanitas. Three full seasons completed with excellent information that has transformed not only my life, but the life of so many other people. And I know this because you write to me all the time, and I'm so glad that I was able to do this for three years. You can still subscribe. Those are three years full of classic interviews that will be relevant not only today, but tomorrow, next month, next year, next decade. That's how relevant the information that you'll find there is. So now you have one subscription only, so you can have one full year to listen and to browse the website and download at your leisure. So go to sanitasradio.com and take a look. I'm still here on Veritas, and you are the first ones to hear the following. Even though the shows, the interviews that we've done with Sanitas in the past will stay on that website for subscribers only at this point, Sanitas is merging with Veritas. Why? Because I know that to create a a health show here and there is very important for Veritas listeners too. So we're going to deal with wellness, we're going to deal with health too, and all the other great topics that you're used to. In essence, Veritas will continue being a modern-day mystery school. So I think alternative health is part of it. So in the future, you'll also see or hear shows that discuss those topics too. So hope you can stay with us in a truth journey. And if you want to write to me, you want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback, I mean it when I say that I love to hear from you. I may not be able to respond as quickly, uh, but now that I have one radio program, I'll be able to free up some time to do so with two radio programs and answering so much email it was sometimes difficult to respond to everybody or do it in a timely fashion so now that I'm back to one radio program I'll be able to do so more frequently and if you write from the guest book just let me know you're okay with us displaying your comment on the guest book page of our website for years the federal government has sought to remotely control human behavior starting with the CIA projects MKUltra and MKSearch in the 1950s, 
the American public has been unwitting guinea pigs in a multitude of neo-consensually performed experiments that have continued into the 21st century. Tonight, our special guest takes you on a journey into the darkest corners of U.S. non-consensual experimentation and the various technologies of control that have led to our current surveillance state. To tell us more, our special guest is Dr. John Hall, a medical doctor specializing in anesthesiology, pain management, and regenerative medicine through advanced stem cell therapy in Texas. He is also the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. He's been a tireless advocate against non-consensual experimentation on the public. He's also a singer, songwriter, with the country band Stick Horse Rodeo, and is active in two current film endeavors, Death and Compromise, and Pathfinders Outdoors. His website is drjohnhall.com, and he joins us directly from the great Lone Star State of Texas. I'd like to welcome Dr. John Hall. Hello, Dr. Hall, and welcome to Veritas. How are you doing today? Fine, excellent, and I'm so glad to finally have you on because I've heard about your book ever since it came out, and I'm finally having you here. So, by the way, you dedicate the book to a good friend of this radio program, the late Dr. Fred Bell, a true patriot and good friend of yours. He left a, a great legacy, and we have an excellent interview that people can listen to. Do you want to share a minute of your experience with Dr. Fred Bell? Sure. Dr. Fred Bell and I knew each other very well. Um, I spoke on the phone or through email just about every night. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, his latest company, Puridine Industries, was what he was focused on now. But earlier in his career, he actually worked with a lot of the technology and sold a lot of the technology of electronic gadgetry to the government that they use um, to create some of this technology. Once he saw that it was being used experimentally on the public, he, too, came out uh, pretty voraciously against its use uh, non-consensually. Uh, him and I teamed up probably a decade ago and uh, remained friends ever since based on, on those principles. Uh, and uh, for those listeners that don't realize, um, many of us suspect that his death wasn't natural. Um, he had actually agreed to be on a, a TV show talking about Jesse technology. Ventura. Yeah, and uh, prior to being on that, he had told me, he said, he said his exact words, he said, my handlers are not going to be happy about me coming on national TV about this. And then, of course, was found dead of a heart attack in his hotel room immediately after recording the show. That's exactly right. We have another guest of this radio program. You Folks, you can figure out who it was. But she was there waiting to talk to Ventura after Dr. Fred Bell was being interviewed, and she saw she saw him there. He was in perfect health, and the next morning, boom, started frothing at the mouth and just fell on the floor and died. And uh, this reminds me also of uh, Dr. Patrick Flanagan. Some of his technology was used for you know who knows what purposes, but he's now talking against all of this. Yeah, yeah, he he's come out against it too. And you know the interesting thing with Fred is a lot of people said, well, you know, he was the right age for a heart attack. Right. That man ate healthy. He lived a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I, I spoke to him just about nightly. He was in the best shape that one could be in. So, uh, you know, I, I have my serious doubts of whether or not that was uh, a natural passing or not. Plausible deniability for everybody, I guess. Now, let's begin with your story. How does a physician 
who has to go through many years of education, medical school, residency, you name it, becomes a researcher into technology, self-control, and all, all the rest of it. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't set out to be the, the spearhead for the the, uh, the activism against this. I'll tell you that straight out. Um, what happened was I have an ex-fiancé that came to me with a very interesting story back in 2000, and she said, I'm being followed everywhere. I'm being attacked by something I can't see, and I'm hearing the voices of the people doing the attacking. And she said, I, I, I'm coming to you because I trust you. I'm afraid if I go to anybody else with this, they're going to lock me away, which she was right, especially at that time. And um, when she came to me, I, I did a little checking and I talked to some, I had heard a little bit about the technology before. Uh, I do have friends that are in the CIA. I talked to them. They said, yes, it sounds like um, satellite surveillance, satellite-based surveillance. Um, I talked to another friend of mine. He First thing he asked, that satellite surveillance, is she in any trouble with the government? And I said, you know, no, she shows apartments for a living. She's not a radical. She's not political. Um, but it is happening. And um, spent a lot of money doing some counter surveillance. Um, wired up her place for sound to catch people coming and going. And uh, determined who the people were that were following her. And uh, caught them breaking and entering into her house. And at, at that time, they were drugging her with rohypnol, which is a date rape drug. Mm -hmm. and basically using her as a sex slave. So um, went to the police with it all, uh, have a good relationship with the local PD, <clears throat> actually do their medicine. So they had no problems believing me, as a matter of fact, and I wrote it in the first book, A New Breed. The lieutenant in charge of the sex crimes unit said, you know what, a, a story becomes so crazy that it's got to be true. And um, they investigated. At that time, the stalking laws in Texas were pretty weak. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that could be done, and their exact words, it's not what you know, it's what you could prove, and you're dealing with a, a group that you know has been well-trained in the breaking and entering. They know how to wipe down things, make sure they don't leave fingerprints, um, and that type of thing. So we did have audio evidence of them breaking in, and that was really the impetus of the first book, <clears throat> was basically to get her story out once we saw how perfect of a crime this can be. That it's hard to prove. It's hard to prove radio frequencies coming into your house that are that may be harming you. But everybody else says, well, you know, maybe it's the cell phone towers, maybe it's the it's TV power lines, um, it maybe it's just typical electromagnetic radiation coming into the home. <clears throat> so it's hard to prove that type of technology being used on you for a criminal activity. And once we saw um, what happened with all that, which they basically said, it's not what you can, what you know, it's what you can prove, uh, got her moved to another state uh, to avoid um, the break-ins and the physical assaults, and then decided to go ahead and write it in a book with the names changed, since I wasn't able to get them imprisoned. And the minute that book released, and I did a couple of radio shows like yours, my email account blew up. I mean, there were literally, I mean, I think the first radio show I did, I had something like 6,000 emails from people saying this is the exact same thing that's happening to my wife or my son or my daughter or myself to the T. And once I started talking to some of these people and some of them came here to be seen or treated or scanned for implants, once I saw that this wasn't a similar crime happening in other cities, it was the exact same crime happening in other cities. I mean, everybody may have an excuse for why it's happening to them, 
And a lot of people would say, well, I think it's because of this, or I think it's because of that. But the modality of the way it's happening was exact in every single case. So as it turns out, a book I wrote really just to expose a local crime turned out to be something that's happening in every major city. I wanted to leave the targeted individuals portion for later, but I have to tell you this right now, since I'm getting goosebumps after what you just said. Before we discuss this, now let me say this. Folks, I lost count of the number of people who write to me saying they have or are still being targeted and they want help, but no one believes them. Even one person, I won't name names yet, but he provided lots of written material and a chronology of events, the way he was abused, that it's so so hard that I can't even mention here. He even provided the name of the professor, quote-unquote professor, perhaps a psychoanalyst who conducted a lot of the experiments. Uh, he provided the name and the institution at which he teaches nowadays. He wanted me to confront him and ask him why he did what he did. How do you discern, Dr. Hull, if you are one of those alleged victims? And I know you don't like to use the word alleged because it's proven now that a lot of this is true. And most of them will simply go to a psychoanalyst and will be considered delusional. So there's plenty of plausible deniability for the perpetrator. How do you discern? Well, sometimes it's hard to tell. And, and, and being a medical physician, I, you know, and, and I, I'm real clear on all my interviews, mental illness does exist. So in a lot of the targeted individuals, they hate it when I say that in the interviews, but to be, you know, on the up and up, of course, and be forthright with it, you know, it is hard sometimes to distinguish. And the other thing is, you know, there's nothing, nothing um, preventing someone who really is mentally ill also being a target. Uh, and if you look back in the history of non-consensual experimentation by our government, um, you know, um, homes for the mentally ill were a prime target for government experimentation. Uh, homes that uh, with uh, of children uh, that were, you know, retarded or mentally ill uh, were very popular targets for CIA experimentation. So <clears throat> that is where it is difficult to tell. Now, I will say that most of the victims that I've dealt with um, have successfully got through high school. Most of them have degrees, college degrees. Most of them were well-functioning adults with fairly fairly well secondary education and didn't notice their targeting until in their late 30s or early 40s. So you know, when you look at that type of population, you know, here's somebody that graduated from high school, they graduated from college, they were a professional, they were had a normal family life and were going along their daily living activities just fine, all of a sudden, at 45, they're hearing voices and they're being attacked by weapons they can't see. <clears throat> that itself kind of tells you that it's some form of experimentation and not mental illness. Because the only way that can happen in a mental illness is to have some sentinel event that sets it off. And most of these people don't have that. You know, they haven't have it, had a, a very severe loss of a loved one or a brain injury or, or anything to set off acute, sudden, you know, schizophrenic-like symptoms in their mid forties. Um, sometimes it's a little harder to tell when you're dealing with targeted individuals that are in their twenties, but there's not many of those. I mean, most of the people that I've been associated with or dealt with are usually in their forties and, and they can pinpoint the day that they notice people following them and they can pinpoint the day that they started hearing voices. And these aren't voices of God or angels or, you know, telling them that they've been, you know, you know, chosen or, or anything like that. These are voices describing where they are in a room, describing where they are, you know, in their city, you know, describing what 
threaten them with what they're going to do with the directed energy weapons. So uh, it, it is persecutorial in nature. Can you repeat the last 10 seconds? I almost lost you there for a second. There was this sound that came through. And I'll let you for ten seconds. Well, and I will, and I will tell you that that is going to be very common. That happens with every radio show I do. Huh, it interesting. Gets, it gets it gets interfered with. No, uh, what I was saying was that most of the most of the people that I deal with that are targeted are, are in their forties, and they can pinpoint exactly when it started. They were well functioning prior to when it started. Um, the only time that there's a little bit of a question is when you have younger targeted individuals that are in their twenties. You know, a lot of them, that is when schizophrenia can start now, and you you have to try to discriminate it. And the way I look at it is, if you ask them what the voices are saying, the voices are describing where they are in a room, they're describing where they are in the city, they're describing what the victim is wearing. It's not voices of God or angels or prophets or telling them that they've suddenly been ordained uh, it, it's very obviously voices that are describing them in a surveillance type setting. I'm jumping around here. I, w- I wanted to take this in a chronological order, and I will try to do so. But I think of Aurora, Colorado. I think of all these shootings that to me sound, and I don't mean to be putting my my conspiratorial hat here, but to me these sound like targeted individuals or mind control individuals that are being used as a tool for gun confiscation. I'm trying I'm starting this. I wanted to leave this till the end, but it just crossed my mind right now. Your take on all these shootings. Pretty much the same take as you just mentioned. Um, because at least two of them I know for a fact were targeted individuals. Um Myron May at the University of Miami. Uh, had been a uh, lawyer, uh, actually was a prosecutor in Las Cruces, New Mexico, had moved to Florida to open office there. And he sent out thumb drives and manifestos basically saying that he was going to partake of this dastardly deed to try to foster media attention to the targeted individual issue. I don't agree with that, by the way, and I want that on the record, that we do not um, we do not suggest anyone, you know, resort to violent means to try to get media attention. Um, killing innocent people certainly isn't the attention we want. Uh, he did choose that route, um, but he was a targeted individual. Um, the other one uh, was Aaron Alexis, uh, who shot up the Navy Yard. He had actually contacted uh, one of the human rights groups that deals with um, TIs. <clears throat> and was uh, having most of his problems with sleep deprivation and was looking for a way to um, remedy that, but was known to the targeted individual community. And as everyone read, he did inscribe, this is my ELF weapon on the shotgun that he used in the shooting. That wasn't a, a crazy man going on a rampage. That was a um, a revenge shooting um, because according to him, he had found out that at the Navy Yard, indeed, some of the research was being done there. What about Jared Lee Luffner, the Tucson massacre, uh, Sankwe Cho, Virginia Tech, and um, what's uh, James Holmes, Aurora, Aurora, Colorado? Well, and I, I suspect that those were probably similar deals. Um, you know, the government right now does want uh, gun control in the worst way. So um, one of the ways to do it is to keep having these mass shootings until eventually the general public cries out for gun control, which is what they were hoping. Uh, I think they were certainly hoping to get that um, with the Sandy Hook shooting, Mm -hmm. um, because certainly a bunch of children being shot should tug at the heartstrings enough of the public to 
have allowed public outcry to control guns. <clears throat> but as you know, I, I, I'm from Texas, born and raised, uh, still live in the state of Texas. And um, this would be the last state that would ever comply with gun confiscation. So, Do you think Texas would secede if they tried it? I don't know if Texas would secede, um, but I know definitely Texas would fight it. And uh, we've had conversations with some of our uh, legal people here about that. Um, what happens if they ever do force gun confiscation? And actually, my local law enforcement here where I live, who I have a very good relationship with, uh, actually said, well, for them to do that, they would have to send federal agents. They wouldn't be able to actually uh, use local law enforcement. So um, the, they know it would be basically a, a gun battle at every house in Texas if they tried to do that. Well, I think that's probably why they want to federalize local police so they can control it from a centralized location. Exactly. And just, just for instance, so your listeners can hear, typically when I do this type of an interview, either there's electronic disturbance or there's animal disturbance. These are the dogs in my backyard. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if you can hear. I don't know if you can hear that, but all three of them are howling at the top of their lungs, which is very unusual. <laughs> it never rains. It never rains in the desert, and I'm in a cabin that's completely soundproof. And above our heads here, we have this storm that I can hear the, the, the lightning, and it never happens. So I don't know. But <laughs> let's let's take this in a chronological order because I think there's a culprit, there's a source to all of this. Why don't we begin with? Operation Perfect Paperclip. A lot of our listeners know what that is, but just to refresh our minds. Uh, operation Paperclip actually was an operation that the OSS started, the precursor to the uh, CIA. Uh, after World War II, uh, while most of the war criminals that were non-physicians um, actually went to the Nuremberg trials, many of the scientists and the doctors that were doing research, whether in rocket propulsion uh, aerospace medicine, aerodynamics, psychiatry, medicine, many of the ones that did some of the dastardly experiments you hear about uh, on the Jews uh, during the Holocaust were actually brought through the OSS and the early CIA to America to continue their research through Operation Paperclip. Uh, and the example that I give in the book is uh, Dr. Strughold. Dr. Strughold had done um, um, experiments where they basically put prisoners in airplanes and they sent them up into the atmosphere to see, you know, how high they could get humans without any type of pressure shoot, uh, suit before they blew apart. Uh, he also did some of the experiments on, on changing eye color, uh, kind of taking people's eyes out and trying to implant different colored eyes for the, the whole Aryan race uh, thing. Um, he came here with Operation Paperclip. Uh, he was an aerospace medicine physician and not only continued his research here, but the library at Randolph Air Force Base here in San Antonio was eventually named for him. And he was well known uh, in most of the circles of medicine as the father of modern aerospace medicine. Um, the, after a lot of people complained, uh, I think, 30 or 40 years later, they finally got around to changing the name of the library. But um, to give you an idea of how well ingrained these paperclip scientists were in, into America, to bring one over that had been guilty of war crimes and then name one of our military medical libraries after him is, you know, is quite a feat. 
But didn't, uh, for example, mind control, eugenics, didn't this begin actually in the United States and the Germans actually came here and you could say they perfected it? Yeah, especially eugenics. Uh, mind control uh, was kind of, mind control kind of started everywhere. I mean, everybody was looking for a way to actually control the mind, especially after they saw how well hypnosis could work. Now, eugenics did start in the United States, and that was the whole Buck versus Bell lawsuit um, where in the 20s and 30s and into the 40s and 50s, um, a lot of the states had eugenics programs where if you were deemed, uh, there were a a lot of ways you could wind up on the eugenics program, but you would think if it was just for people with certain traits or certain diseases, but most of the states it was allowed if you were considered um, below a certain IQ level, if you were, if your family was considered uh, a family that was never going to succeed, if your if your progeny were going to remain poor and on the downtrodden side of life, then that was an excuse to limit you from having kids. And they would pull the daughters away from these families, and they would tie their tubes, or some of them they would lobotomize um, if they were, you know, considered they were going to be eventually useless to society in the future. Um, there was no putting anybody to death based on eugenics, but they certainly were, uh, sterilizing women and Buck versus Bell came to light because, um, in that case, uh, the girl that was actually sterilized, as it turns out, was a straight A student. She was sterilized on the basis that she had idiocy and was never going to be successful in society and therefore would never have progeny that was, would be successful in society. But as it turns out, it was a grudge that the government had against the girl's father, which was why they actually sterilized her. And she did win her case. I think that was against uh, in West Virginia at the time. But when the Germans did, when it did come to light that the Nazis were doing eugenics programs, they did point the finger at America and say, hey, we're just copying you. We're just doing what you were already doing. Now, they were doing it on a much larger scale. But um, they did and more overtly than covertly. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, well, it was it was all pretty overtly. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, before a lot of the camps were actually formed uh, in Germany, it's my understanding that they actually got in touch with the government of the United States and said, "Well, we're going to start putting all of these Jewish people in camps." Unless you want them, we'll send them. We'll start putting them on boats and sending them to the United States. And at that time, the United States government was also fairly anti-Semitic, and basically said, "No, we don't want them here." So, yeah. um, and they they knew it was going to happen. Now, let me read this from your book, Eugenics or Social Darwinism, today known as Social Engineering. A year after Hitler took power, the New England Journal of Medicine in 1943 praised Germany as quote the most progressive nation in restricting fecundity among the unfit, unquote. But you would think eugenics is a concept of the past and forced sterilization and eugenics laws in the USA were eliminated by the 1960s. But no, and I want you to explain, Dr. Hall, is this a resurgence in the institution of eugenics? And has it, you know, has it rooted itself also within the Obama administration? Tell us more. Well, and that that was one of the big fears we had when Obama took office. Um, and, I, and I will tell you, initially when he took office, he was talking about transparency. And a lot of the targeted individual community actually, you know, had high hopes that 
he was promising transparency that a lot of this would be brought to light. We would have another Rockefeller commission or church committee. Um, Instead, once he got in, if you remember, he started naming czars, uh, started appointing czars to his cabinet, which immediately alerted many of us that are in this fight. You know, oh, my God, you know, what is he doing? Well, one of the czars he appointed was Cass Sunstein. And Cass Sunstein has written books specifically on eugenics. Uh, Many of the elite at the top of the Democratic Party um, the party that is supposed to be for the little guy and helping the poor and, you know, the downtrodden uh, has come a long way from that. The the, the party of JFK uh, is no longer in existence. The the current, at least in my opinion and, and most scholars' opinions, the current Democratic Party has come become more of a socialist party and a fairly hard brand of socialism. Um when he started appointing these czars, a number of them were actually eugenicists, and Cass Sunstein was one of them, and he has written several books on eugenics um, and is all for sterilizing the poor or sterilizing people that uh, don't look like they will ever uh, amount to anything that uh, can benefit society in a positive way. Uh, in some of his books, even, you know, was all for abortion, even up to six months to a year after the birth of the child. So which most of us would see that as murder. So um, that worried us a little bit, uh, along with the brain initiative and other things that came down the pike with the Obama administration that he wasn't looking to be transparent. As a matter of fact, most of the things that have been done in this administration have been well behind closed doors. So, um, yeah, I mean, the answer to your question is it did appear that they were trying to push eugenics uh, back into the, uh, as a current issue. Of course, they'll soften it up and they'll sell it as something different, but it'll be eugenics nonetheless. I don't want to get political here, but when I think of President Obama, I think, you know, finally we crossed that line of people being whoever they want to be. If I want to be president, regardless of color, we made it. But I've never seen this country so divided when it comes to race relations. Oh, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. I voted for him the first time. You know, I, I thought the same thing. I thought, man, finally we're, we're, we're conquering, we're breaking through a barrier. We're able to elect a, an African-American president. He's talking about transparency. He's talking about not having executive orders, actually running everything through Congress. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, brother. I drank it with yeah. him. And, and I voted for him. And then he started to appoint these R's. He started signing more and more executive orders. He started making comments like, I don't need Congress. I can pass this through myself. Being a physician, you know, they forced the Affordable Care Act through or Obamacare. Most of us that were doctors knew it wasn't going to work. It's spiraling downhill as we speak. The insurance companies are losing so much money on it that they're bailing out of it. Um, You know, we saw all that coming. So certainly I didn't vote for him in the second election. But um, but I think we did. I mean, you can honestly say we still did come through a barrier. And to create such a racial divide, which is being specifically created by the federal government, by the way, when you're sitting there and you've had mostly white population elect you to the presidency shows you that there there's probably not the scale of racism in the United States that you would like to believe there is or that the government would want you to believe there is. Because it, bottom line, it was still mostly whites that elected them. But, um, but they are certainly pushing a racial divide. And I know 
not to sound conspiratorial, like you said earlier, you know, are they hoping there is a big race war in this country so they can enact martial law? Who knows? You know, it, that may be the case. We had a, a guest many, many years ago. He passed away a few years ago. He was married to the daughter of a a state Supreme Court justice, and he used to know what was the ins and outs. And he told me that the goal is to have in the future divide us racially so badly that we would create a new civil war. And this is probably 2009 when he told me this, but uh, so that you don't get all the blame for voting for Obama the first time I did too, folks. I usually never talk about politics here, but I did too because I was tired of the wars. I was tired of all these behind the scene agreements and, and executive orders and Patriot Act and this and that. And I gave him a chance and I drank the Kool-Aid with Dr. Hall. And I know a lot of people who listen to us are in the same boat. Do you think that in the future we may be able to see transparency in this nation or are we, or is this over? You know what? The only way we're going to see that is we, we need to get start electing ethical people to government and we need term limits. Um, term limits is paramount to actually having transparency in government. You can't have people going up there and spending the rest of their lives living on the dole of the taxpayer as a federal employee, being a House of Representative member or being a senator. Um, we need to limit that to probably four or five term limits where that way you have to get out and you have to scratch the dirt like the rest of us out yeah. here in society to make a living. And that alone will actually do more for transparency than anything else because you won't have a whole group of people who have spent 30 to 40 years in Congress on the take. But that has to be legislation that, you know, sometimes we see the 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 legislation for marijuana and sometimes the Congress doesn't approve it, but the people do during election day. This is something that the people have to demand because I don't think the Senate or the Congress will ever enact laws that will limit their livelihood in this way. Well, the one way to do it, and I will tell you, and this sounds harsh, <clears throat> but it's going to have to be a harsh thing to make it pass. You know, I'll be honest, I'm not a big Trump fan. I will vote for him over over Hillary, not to be political, um, just <laughs> yeah. just because of, you know the same thing that uh, Julian Assange says: a vote for Hillary is a vote for four more years of increasing surveillance yeah. state. Um, but um, the way to do it is we're going to need an outsider, probably in as as president, whether it's Trump or some other outsider, and you basically you you write the bills that say we are going to have term limits. And when the congressmen and the senators actually oppose it, you veto, veto every federal aid bill that goes to their state until they sign it. And when their people in their state are starving because the welfare has been cut off, then that, that legislature will sign his own term limit bill. A vote for Trump is a vote against Hillary, and that's good enough for me. But um, do you think the population has been so dumbed down? Since we, this is a little bit conflicting when it comes to, to my understanding. If... We still have eugenicists right now trying to purify and get rid of the dumb people or, or those who cannot fend for themselves and creating more and more burden on society. But yet I see, and I don't mean to judge, but I see the way the educational system is is teaching our kids these days. I think they're dumbing them down. So in one area, we're trying to purify the, the people, if you will, making them smarter by getting rid of the, the dumb ones, but we're dumbing them down in schools. So which one is it then? Well, it's a little of both. Um, Planned Parenthood certainly is a eugenics organization. Um, you know, it was founded by Margaret Sanger. 
And uh, if right. you know anything about her or read anything about her, she was the ultimate eugenicist. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, she really was. I mean, she worked hand in hand with the KKK. And, and Hillary, the ad- Hillary admires her. I know Hillary admires her. And and the uh, Democrats all they, the Democratic Party claims to be we want the best for kids schools. We want the best for race relations. We want the best for the African-American population community and the Hispanic community. Whenever the current Democratic Party actually tells you that they want to help you with your education or help you with your community, they don't mean they want to help you. They mean they want to control your education. They want to control your health care and they want to control your community. It has nothing to do with actually helping you. Um, that's just kind of the code words that they use. Republicans, probably not much better. And just for the record, I'm more of a libertarian than I am a Republican. But when it comes to targeted individuals and electronic harassment, I am the government's worst nightmare because for the most part, I am a conservative, a Christian conservative. And I'm the guy that was supposed to be all in favor of using this for wartime and, and not have a problem with experimenting on the public with it. Well, guess what? I do have a problem with it. And it's made it it's made them hard to deal with me. Because I've had a lot of it, a lot of run-ins with the FBI. I've had a lot of run-ins with government officials who really can't stand my stance in my books because I wasn't the guy that was supposed to be coming out against that. Uh, and they know that. And as a matter of fact, the, the FBI has surveilled me themselves for a number of times, I actually pulled in a girl I was dating to talk to her about me. They slammed down a copy of my first book. And they said, how does he know enough to write about this? And do you believe that we have this satellite capability. And she said, he gets a thousand emails a day from people that are complaining about this type of technology. Right. And they're ex- this is my tax dollars at work. Their exact words to this girl is they said, well, <clears throat> just for your information, Dr. Hall's not under any official investigation, but his books cannot be purchased on government computers. He is a piece of shit. And I quote, he is a piece of shit and you're better off not dating him. <sighs> wow. So, you know, so, for, so anybody doubting the veracity and the correctness of my writing, that should tell you something right there. Well, of course, there's more flack over the target. And I bet you that, have you been in the mainstream media to discuss your work? No, the mainstream no. media will not touch this. That's why I tell people, sometimes we have people who discuss 9-11, for example, and some people out there will talk about controlled opposition, Pro, that go into the mainstream media to discuss the alternative theories, and they're allowed, and people say, you know what, Mel, you need to interview this and that. Folks, if they're on the mainstream media being allowed to talk about their work, it's probably controlled opposition. But again, I think I have, I said it the other day, I think I have license to talk about politics because the elections are coming soon. I usually don't talk about it, but I have to say I'm a libertarian myself. I really want to run Ron Paul the last time around. But this time, a lot of my friends who are left, right, some libertarians say, so Mel, you're going to be uh, voting for Gary Johnson, right? Well, folks, unfortunately, at this time, the threat, the threat to me is so compounded by having Hillary Clinton there that I'm going to have to go for Trump, and I cannot go for Gary Johnson just because if I give my vote to Gary Johnson, Hillary's getting another vote. Exactly. And it's sad that we've come to that in our political system, isn't it? That, that really you're, you can't vote for who you really want to vote for. You've got to vote against who you really hate. So, That's and, right. And it, and it has come to that because I'm, I'm the same with you. I love Ron Paul, obviously. Uh, you, know, he's, you know, he's homegrown. Um, and, and I was certainly a Rand Paul supporter as yeah. well, 
Um, but, you know, we've got to deal with the reality as it is, not as we wish it were. Now, let's talk about non-consensual experimentation, which is a big area of your research. Can you name a few? Oh, before before that, since you were mentioning the SARS, I didn't want to let that go. What are some of the social engineering attempts of the Obama administration, in your opinion? Well, I mean, like I said, the, the control issues are are some of what they're doing. Um, they've started this brain initiative program. You got to remember, we've never been at a technological point in the United States like we are right now. You can actually do social engineering remotely. Now, you don't have to go in and try to convince people to have abortions or convince people to be sterilized. Um, that you can do remotely now. Facebook. Oh yeah, Facebook. Facebook is an, is another good one. They they actually have created a nudge squad now through the Obama administration. That's a group of psychologists that their only function is to sit at computers all day, get on social media, and actually try to nudge people into believing the direction that the government wants you to believe. And they actually started that when they started the Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. And that's when you would have these infiltrators or people who would open up these websites online or people that were in uh, chat rooms or on Facebook that their job is just to make it sound like it's going to be so great and so awesome, you know, and even though you're sitting there going, oh, you know, I don't think so. Well, but this person is saying it's really going to be great and awesome and they're, they're having a good experience with it and, and their whole job. And that was also based on another one of Cass Sunstein's books and he called it the nudge effect. And that if you put people out there, if you infiltrate the conspiracy theory groups, if you infiltrate the social media, and you have these people there that are just there to nudge things your direction ever so gently, that eventually it will catch on like wildfire and then things, the whole motion will kind of go your way. And that certainly seems to work. And they're spending billions of dollars doing that. Shaping opinions, basically. Yeah. Now, about consensual, non-consensual, actually, experimentation. Can you name a few instances? And folks, if you think that what we're talking about here is conspiracy theory, this is well, well documented. We can go back to not only non-consensual when it comes to mind control, but the Tuskegee experiments. Can you name a few instances in our past in which the USA has engaged in non-consensual experimentation? Sure. Um, and, and by the way, in guinea pigs, I mean, the first several chapters are, are, are to lay that groundwork down. Anybody that reads that book, I implore you to go to the reference section. If you don't believe what I'm writing, check the references for yourself because it's all there. And most yeah. of it came from Freedom of Information. Um, uh, MK Ultra, of course, that was uh, 169 sub projects. All were non-consensual. All of them, all the information we have about that comes from Freedom of Information after the CIA was busted doing it. We were able to get their financial records from Freedom of Information Act. Uh, that was everything from experimenting on children to experimenting on adults to brain microchipping to using a myriad of drugs on people against their will to see if they could be mind controlled. Uh, we had um, clouds of radioactive iodine floated over New Mexico and Arizona, specifically to see how many people would come down with thyroid cancer after being exposed. We had clouds of serratia bacteria floated over California to see how many people would get infected with serratia. Uh, we had weaponized syphilis and gonorrhea, as you said, was used in the Tuskegee experiments, was also used on uh, people in Nicaragua 
Um, and when that was found out and broke by the media uh, just um, six or seven years ago, that was the impetus for the bioethics hearings that we had here in the United States under the Obama administration. Um, when they found out that we had experimented on people with the help of the CDC in Nicaragua, um, then they actually he appointed a bunch of apologists to a commission called the Bioethics Commission. And they had six meetings, and the goal of the Bioethics Commission was to find out if any non-consensual experimentation involving government funding was ongoing both in the United States or worldwide. And so they had these meetings. I spoke at one of the meetings. Uh, they had apologists on the board uh, from some very high-power universities. And um, matter of fact, at the meeting I was at, one of the um, bioethicists said that the atrocities that you read about in government experimentation were all around World War II and that we have the legislation that prevents that from happening now, um, which is not true. We do not have legislation preventing the government from experimenting on the public. It is not illegal for the government to experiment on the public. John Glenn tried to pass that legislation. It was shot down in Congress. Um, at the Bioethics Commission's uh, meetings, there were six of them. They did have a public forum. Every single meeting had over a thousand people in the public forum, all of them complaining of mind control technology, um, directed energy experimentation, and organized stalking, which is a part of the directed energy and the mind control technology. Uh, except for a handful of people complaining of chemtrails, every meeting had at least that many complaining of electronic harassment. At the end of these six meetings, Essentially, the findings of the Bioethics Commission was that there was no evidence of non-consensual experimentation going on in the public. Amazingly the enough. Incredible. The people I refer to, the ones who write to me all the time, they range from all the way from you know, 20s, early 20s, all the way to 50s, 60s. There's a huge range there. But if they, and most of them say, look, I'm a regular guy, I'm a student, or I'm a business owner, or I'm a family man, there's nothing that I do for the government, not, I'm not out there talking about anything. What is this, a beta test, just to see how people react, and then roll it out nationwide or globally? Well, coming from a medical point of view, being since I am a physician, the only, the only reason I would see, and most of these people have been complaining of this for a decade or longer. And, you know, I, I think they know pretty well that they can decimate somebody's life probably in a matter of weeks with this technology. Uh, certainly within a matter of a month, you can pretty much have somebody diagnosed as delusional, having lose their job, lose their family members, uh, and be at ground, you know, ground zero as far as their lifestyle. But the only reason that I can see to experiment for this long with technology like this on the public is to determine what types of cancers or blood disorders it may cause. Because as you know, the studies on chronic electromagnetic energy exposure have mostly been funded by cell phone companies. And of course, what have they found? That chronic EMF doesn't cause any problems, you know, because the studies were funded by the exact people selling us cell phones. So we really don't have a lot of unbiased, legitimate studies on what being bombarded with electromagnetic energy will do to you over a long term. So one of the things that the government certainly has to find out before they unleash this for global control is in 10, 12, 15 years time, 
are we going to start seeing a bunch of people come in with lymphoma? Are we going to see a bunch of people come in with bone cancer, you know, with leukemia? Is there, you know, because that will be a telltale sign that there's control mechanisms being used with electromagnetic energy. If you see all of a sudden a exponential spike in some type of cancer, <clears throat> which we haven't seen yet, but what we have seen an ex exponential spike in is type 2 diabetes and tinnitus. The targeted individual um, community has ringing in the ears or tinnitus at about a 300% increased rate from the normal population. Count me and in on the tinnitus part, by the way. Uh, what? Count me in on the tinnitus victim. Uh, well, and, and the tinnitus usually slowly degrades to hearing voices over time. Um, the other thing that um, a lot of the TIs will complain about is when you close your eyes at night to try to go to sleep, even with your eyes closed, you see streaks of light, what looks like a firework show going off with your eyes closed. Those are called magnetophosphines, and that's a symptom of the uh, optic nerves being bombarded with electromagnetic energy. So even with your eyes, eyelids closed, you're basically, your nerves are still firing like they're seeing light, and typically what's described is a firework show with your eyelids closed. <clears throat> How do you mitigate way, that? How do you mitigate because tinnitus at least we can mitigate it with white noise, but when you have that visually, what do you do? You don't. You can't mitigate that. And by the way, that's the same thing we see when you're we're MRIing your brain. Patients that are having brain MRIs will tell you that they can see a firework show with their eyes closed because we're simulating that same type of attack on the optic nerves with the magnet in the MRI machine. You know, the common denominator I see with a lot of these people, Dr. Hall, is that this induces hopelessness. Let's say it's a family and the husband or the wife is being attacked and they just don't know who to turn to. And the wife, the husband says, you know, I, I think you're going crazy. Go to see a psychoanalyst. And they become hopeless. And I think hopeless people are easier to control. Is this the end game to just basically keep people in a state of hopelessness all the time to be easier to control? Well, typically, I mean, I, now I can't speak for every group that's doing this, but we did a lot of research on the group doing it in Texas. Um, <clears throat> they do it a lot for sexual assault on women specifically. Um, so typically what you see with a group here is they'll target the male in a relationship that's married to or living with or in a relationship with a girl that they ultimately want to make a sexual target. So that way, when the husband or the boyfriend, you know, comes home and he's saying, man, I'm hearing voices, can't you hear them? You know, they're breaking in, they're following us everywhere. Well, then the female in the relationship says, you know, no, I haven't noticed that and I can't hear what you're hearing. I think you're going nuts. I think we need to get you help. And it almost always ends up in a breakup or a divorce, leaving the intended target for the actual physical assaults, which is the woman alone in the house, helpless. and then, she, then she's helpless and fair game when, you know, her boyfriend or her husband was telling her honestly the truth of what was going on to try to protect her the entire time. And I've seen that time and time again, especially here. Now, in every major city, there's a group that has access to this technology, and they're allowed carte blanche to use it however they want to use it on whoever they want to use it on, as long as the data gets back to the federal government and the appropriate agencies. So you do see some bias from city to city, like in the Texas area, this group, they use it for corporate espionage and they use it for sexual assault. You get out to Palm Springs, California, there's a group of 60 gay men. They're all being attacked pretty voraciously. 
and they're all hearing the same voice. They're all hearing the voice of a girl named Lisa that basically, huh. you know, hits them with pejoratives, you know, while they are being attacked. So in, in other places, it, it may be have more of a racial bias to it or a gender bias to it. But when you collect the, you know, the entire nation together of victims, you have what looks like a pretty random sample. Now, folks, if you're listening, please don't stop writing to me about this. I know You know I always respond with respect. I cannot prove that what you're telling me is true, but I will listen. And I would forward your emails to people like, if in the future Dr. John Hall would like to receive any of these, I would be happy to share with them. But uh, the media broke a lot of these stories decades ago. If any journalist tries to break such a story today, Dr. Hall, he or she would be fired. At the least, do you think true impartial journalism exist today? No, no, no. You know, and I think Edward Snowden kind of kind of showed that. I mean, even the, the things that he broke, which was kind of common knowledge. I mean, within the conspiracy community, I think most of us already knew our emails were being read and our phones were being tapped and, you know, our metadata was being collected. But when he finally came forward and said, I, I worked for the NSA, here's the documents. Yes, we're doing this. It was a big shocker you know, to a lot of people. And it kind of made us, you know, and from we weren't conspiracy theorists anymore. We were conspiracy factualists <clears throat> at that point. And, and that actually, I mean, that kind of helped uh, the motion, the movement a little bit. Uh, after he came out, it, it, at least some of that got into, you know, mainstream media. But to give you a, for instance, that was about 10 years ago, a New York Times reporter, female reporter actually, did a fairly good piece on targeting <clears throat> and electronic harassment. Well, she was found strangled in the Bahamas um, a couple of years ago after doing the piece. Well, you know, I recently interviewed for a reporter for the New York Times, and I thought, well, finally, you know, maybe we're going to get some major media, uh, mainstream media that's actually going to do a good job on this. And he seemed legitimately wanting to know the truth about this. So I did an interview for him for the New York Times. And he essentially slammed me and he slammed the entire targeted individual community as, as mentally ill. Uh, so, yeah, I think he was basically doing the job he was told to do um, because the mainstream media, like you said, is basically told what they can say and what they can't say. And certainly if, if it ever came to light and you got the majority of the population to realize that, yes, not only are your emails being read, but your thoughts are being heard in real time. I think it would be such a profound change on society that the government just can't have that. So I think the mainstream media today has become an echo chamber of uh, the two political parties, period. Yeah, it's a propaganda machine, pretty much. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, when I think of the founding fathers and the government off, by, and for the people, then I see what this hydra has become now. Does the USA have any qualms about using the public as guinea pigs? Not at all. Not at all. And the reason they don't is, for one, technology has come to the point now where basically society can be used as a laboratory and there's nothing you or I are going to be able to do to prove it. Um, you know, the lawyers will tell you if it takes something to court, you need tangible evidence. And uh, when somebody's attacking you with radio frequency based weapons, there's nothing tangible you can take into a courtroom. Um, that's why I tell victims if you're going to get this into the police and, and have law enforcement help you, do it when the stalking first starts. When you first notice the stalking, there are stalking laws in most states now, and the, 
the law enforcement will take that seriously. By the time you let it go to the point where you're being zapped with directed energy weapons and you're having voice to skull transmissions, that they're not, not only are they not going to believe it, it's going to get you a psychiatric diagnosis, but there's no way, even if they believe it, they can prove it. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the government has never had qualms about experimenting on the, on the public, even when you had to dupe people into staying in a mental institution to be experimented on during MK Ultra, people still fell for it. Well, now you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get people, hoard them together or herd them together into a unit to experiment on them. Society is the experiment. And folks, we have to take a one on all the intermission, but I'd like to come back to MK Ultra to discuss it again to see how he has evolved. Because a lot of people think these are, these, this is just science fiction. How many people thought the Manhattan Project was science fiction? And even full cities were there for that reason, and everybody kept quiet. So silence is probable. When you have an oath, and they're telling you, if you open your mouth, this is what's going to happen to you and to your family. So this is happening today. And when we come back, Dr. John Hall will tell us more. How can people buy this book and your other book? Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. And actually, uh, as of today... There is actually a Spanish version of guinea pigs that released today on Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles as well. Excellent. So I'm glad you're expanding languages. Folks, don't go anywhere. So much more to discuss with Dr. John Hall. Guinea pigs, technologies of control. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, Go to VeritasRadio.com, click on Members, or subscribe. Or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy. 